We really are glad that you came and joined us today. And we are so glad that each one of these candidates were people who, at one time in their life, well, they kind of knew they were dead. To some of you, that may sound really odd. Dead? What are you talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about how dead people get life today. And before I begin, I would just like to have a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right in. Father, I just thank you again for each one of these lives. I thank you, dear God, that you brought him to our church. I thank you, Father, that we could partner with some of the parents and, and in their journey be able to share with them truth, truth that changes their life, truth that gives them hope when they're discouraged, truth that transforms them from the inside out. We just are so grateful, God, that you loved us and you showed us your love over and over and over again. Today, Father, as we open up your word, I would pray, Lord, that that your scripture would just jump out, that it would just be so unbelievably full of life that each and every one here would leave differently. We, again, are grateful, and we just want to say thank you. You're an amazing God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, every Sunday, our community has been spending time here in the Gospel of John. John wrote his story when he was close to death. And some of us who have read this may not realize, but he was a rugged fisherman. He was a man's man. He was a person that literally, when Jesus met him, was kind of on the salty side of society. But John did meet Jesus. And Jesus challenged him, and Jesus asked him to follow him. And once John started following Jesus, his life changed. And for three years, he hung out with the Savior. For three years, he saw Jesus teach like nobody else could teach. For three years, he saw him do miracles that, well, they were extraordinary. They were supernatural. And so what happened is that when John started getting older, after Jesus had died and been crucified, after he's been around for 30, 40, 50 different years, just working with different God-believing people, spending time in the church, he decided, I'm going to write this gospel. The stories that I know of, they're too important. I need to make sure that people understand who Jesus is. It's changed my life. And I want to make sure everyone understands that. So the story we're going to focus on today happened just months before Jesus was crucified. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 11. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you don't have to worry. We're going to put the words up on the screen. But you can follow along. We're going to start reading in John chapter 11, 
verse 17. So as you can see in our scripture, Jesus arrives in Bethany. It's a little town right, right outside of Jerusalem. And in Bethany, there were three very special people, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They all lived there. But if you had read just a little bit earlier in John chapter 11, Lazarus got sick. In fact, he got so sick, he died. And both Mary and Martha had sent word to Jesus and and told him, Jesus, your good friend Lazarus, he's sick. Would you come? Would you touch him? You've healed so many other people. I know that you really want to heal Lazarus. Please come. Well, as we heard, by the time Jesus got there, it was four days later. Well, the crowds had been gathering to encourage and, well, bring sympathy both to Mary and to Martha. But Martha heard that Jesus had finally arrived. So she ran out to meet Jesus. For some reason, Mary stayed at home. Well, when Martha got there, I'm sure she was conflicted. She said, Lord, Lord, if, you, if you'd only come earlier, if, if you have only could have made this more of a priority, Jesus, I've seen you heal people. Basically, what took you so long? Why? Why did you delay? But Lord, she put this in there. I know you can still do something special. I know that God, your Father, listens to your requests. So I'm thinking maybe Martha's planting some seeds and hoping, okay, Jesus, why don't you do a miracle? Well, Jesus does reply to her and actually encourages her. But the truth is, Martha misses it completely. Jesus says this, your brother will rise again. What Jesus literally meant here is, just in a few moments, we're going to walk over to this grave, and Lazarus is going to come forth, and you're going to see your brother again. But she didn't get that part. She didn't. She said, yes, Jesus, I know Lazarus will rise again. Well, when everybody rises, when you come back for all the saints, I know that Lazarus will then rise. Well, 
The scriptures don't tell us this, but I think there was a pause here. And Jesus was thinking, and he responded perfectly. He said this, Do you believe, Martha, that I am the resurrection and the life? Anyone who believes in me will live. Even though they quit breathing right now, everyone who is living and breathing now and believes in me, they're never going to die. Or he may have said something like this. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, well, they're going to live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do, Do you understand this, Martha? Do you? And then Martha answers. It's one of the classic answers in all of the scripture. She says, I do believe this. I believe. You are the Son of God, sent by the Father into our world. I believe you're the Messiah. And to be quite honest, most of us may not even understand that term. But back in the first century, especially in this audience, they did. The Messiah was the long-awaited Savior. The one who was going to come and begin to reign and to rule. Well, the Jews back in the first century, they thought, well, their Messiah is going to come and take care of Rome. And it would be some political king. And we would finally be rid of those tyrants. But Jesus never promised that. And the scriptures talked about a different kind of a Messiah. A Messiah that would come and be able to give life and hope. And that someday he would reign completely with all authority. You know, Martha got it. She understood about the gospel. Martha's words are critical here. By the time, remember, that John wrote his gospel, he had told us story after story. In fact, even we've got Gospel of John's out in the lobby for some of our newer folks. We'd love for you to be able to take one home and read through it because the story of Jesus is amazing. During the first 10 chapters of John in this book, of his giant gospel, he told how Jesus met all kinds of people, people who were religious, people that were not so religious, people who struggle with life, people that desire deeply to be able to experience life. But they found out that nothing they did quenched their thirst. Nothing they did satisfied their hunger. And so Jesus came along and did miracles and taught about the kingdom and basically shared this. I just want you to know that a relationship with me will satisfy the thirst in your soul that you never can find. A relationship with me will satisfy the hunger in your soul. It will give you purpose. And those were the stories that Martha had heard over and over and over again. So when Martha says she believes, it's not just a casual, oh yeah, that that, that dude lived about 2,000 years ago. I believe he was a real historical, well, personality. 
What she's saying is, I believe you are Savior. I believe without you, I have no hope. I believe that you will give me the water that will satisfy my thirst. And I believe that you are the bread, the bread of life, and that by having a relationship with you, it will give me nourishment. That's what Martha was saying. I believe. Well, the story continues. And Mary eventually finds her way to Jesus. Remember, she was back at the house. Well, in a little bit, she runs out and sees Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, or you can look up on the screen, in verse 34, this is what happens. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. Well, this sounds almost exactly what... Martha told her, if you recall. And Jesus, I don't know how he responded. I don't know if he just gave her a big hug. But in verse 34, this is what he says. Where have you put him? He asked. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. You know, you can read the whole of the Bible, all the Gospels, and you're not going to find a whole lot of times that Jesus cried. At least that was recorded. But Jesus comes to the tomb. And again, there's a rock. It was probably more of a cave. And, And Lazarus, as we know, has been there for four days. And he looks... And the scriptures tell us that he just got choked up. This weeping was not some kind of wailing, just with great anguish, but this was a silent cry where the tears just started forming. And people saw that. The scriptures tell us they saw... Jesus responded this way and they said, oh, he must really have loved Lazarus. He must have really loved him. Well, he did. And the scriptures honestly don't tell us why Jesus cried. But I got to believe at least one of the thoughts that had to go through his mind is yes, he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. There wasn't any doubt about it. But what he was literally going to do is take him back from paradise. I know there's all kinds of stories who have died and people gone to heaven or afterlife. And I don't know how many of those are true. I don't know what actually we can bank on. But I know this is that Lazarus was with his heavenly father for four days. And I just kind of think that no matter how wonderful it is to have our loved ones, I got to believe coming back from an unbelievable connection with God is, is got to be low on the totem pole. And so Jesus said this in verse 39. He said, Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. 
But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And again, just those that may not understand this completely, but there was no embalming back then. And so this dead body in that rather hot environment was going to stink. Now, although Martha did believe, and Martha thought and heard, there was something about this. Jesus, don't do this. This is going to embarrass us. This is going to be terrible. Please, Jesus, don't do this. Well, Jesus responds and says, Martha, do you remember I told you just trust me? I'm going to take care of this situation. I am. And so the scriptures tell us that Jesus prays. And then in verse 43 and 44, then Jesus shouted. Literally. He wanted everybody in that vicinity to know, Lazarus, come out. Come out. The stone had been rolled away. The people have gathered. I'm pretty sure maybe the stench already hit them until Jesus' words. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told him, hey guys, unwrap him, let him go, let him go. Jesus has authority to give life. The sisters knew it, and this didn't always happen. I'm sure Jesus raised other people from the dead. Because he was the author of life. We don't have everything that he did recorded in the scriptures. But he chose to raise Lazarus. You know what? This is an amazing story. It really is. A man who's been dead four days. A man who already was decomposing. A man that came forth because of the words of Jesus. You know, today has been about dead men walking. Let me explain. You know, we just heard the testimony of nine people. Nine folks that at one time, they were dead. If we're talking spiritually. They were living without God. They had sin in their life and it separated them from the Almighty. But they came to a place where they saw the cross. And where Jesus spread his arms and he spilt his blood and he said, I love you and I love you so much that I want to pay your debt for sin so you might get reconnected with God, our, our, our Father. All nine of those people saw that and received the gift of life. So these waters of baptism, well, as kind of waters of death figuratively. And they went under, but they were risen because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Nine people at one time dead, and now they're walking, and now they're alive. It's also a story in our scripture where one man 
who is dead. Well, he's walking around in grave clothes initially, but walking around. By the way, if you continue to read and you come back and fellowship with us as we kind of go through John, you're going to find out this is the miracle that sealed Jesus' doom. This is the one that finally pushed all the religious over the edge and said, we've got to kill him. We've got to crucify him. That's it. He can't go around just raising dead people. Everybody's going to be believing in him. And so it was really the last amazing miracle that really put Jesus in hot water with the religious. But I want to just close with this. John, this fisherman, had an agenda. He wanted everybody to believe in his Savior. And his agenda is found actually in John chapter 20, verse 31. It's the words that John wants every one of you to hear. It's the words that every week for the last 28 weeks we've been in John, we have talked about. This is huge. He says, I wrote this so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the King. He's the Son of God. And that by believing in Him, that word believe, you will have life by the power of His name. I'd like to play a video clip for you before I close. And it's a song by Jeremy Camp. Let's watch.
You know, I got to be honest, last week I was riding my bike and I had my headphones in. And this song came on. And I was out in the woods. And most of you know, I, I just don't have really the gift of voice. And I just started singing. I just started shouting. We had nine people. Nine people that heard God's amazing gift of salvation. And they responded. John, thousands of years ago, was begging. I just want you to know my You don't have to live in the grave. You don't have to just exist. You can have life. And that's the message today. You can leave today. Knowing Jesus. Honestly, I don't know where everyone's at. I don't. But I'd be remiss if I almost didn't beg you consider Jesus' words. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful. that you called us out of the grave. Some of us by faith, God, have responded to your words of life. I pray that you would bless and encourage each one who is baptized today. I pray, dear Father, that you would strengthen each one of those folks in their faith. And I pray, Lord, that you would convict each one of us by your Holy Spirit the need for a relationship with you today. I pray that each one here today, Father, would respond to your amazing message. We love you. And we want to continue to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.